Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. It's time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 170. My goodness. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, baby. And with me, as always, back in his home turf. Yes, Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Yes, Canada. Uh, there we go. Roots, uh, Olympic gold in hockey and oh curling and hockey and curling. Curling, you know, hockey, I think curling, I think hockey. We all of our sports. Huh? Yeah, it was an amazing, amazing game. All of Canada was up this morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, there was yes. some folks in Vancouver. Par bars were packed at 4 in the morning serving alcohol. It was crazy. You, you, you know there's a passion for hockey in a country when, when they like you know pass you know, municipal bylaws that allow serving of alcohol at 7 a.m. I didn't participate yes. in it, uh, you know, in public. <laughs> I did. I drank alone at home, but that's okay. Yes. Just my kids saw me. Well, yeah, great. Congratulations to the Canadian athletes. Congratulations to Sochi. What an amazing games. I'm already going through a draw. I'm going through a draw. I had my own closing ceremony this afternoon when I deleted the uh, CBC uh, application from my my smartphone. It was a sad, sad moment. It's been my companion for 17 days. But what a great, 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 great nation we live in, Asif. It's amazing. It is awesome. Ah, uh, okay. Awesome. Just before uh, this episode is brought to you, we got a couple of sponsors on here. I want to get through them very quickly. We're going to talk a little bit more about them later on in the show. But RevTracks, we thank you at RevTracks.com. Digby, we love you. Digby.com. And of course, by you at Patreon.com forward slash Untether if you want to support the show. You spent some time in Australia. See, for those of you who didn't watch last week's episode, we, we did it like literally when you got off the plane. What were you doing down there and how was it? It was awesome, first of all. The weather was a nice break from all the cold and snow we've had uh, here in Canada, in Toronto and Ottawa and all of that. But uh, yeah, it was nice. It was, uh, it was warm. We, I was down there for the launch uh, of the uh, new chapter in, of, in Sydney. And we had a good little turnout and some great discussion. And we were talking about you know, legal issues and couponing and loyalty and you know, a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, really, really, really good. Uh, engaged sessions, uh, and uh, you know, looking forward to more. Everybody was excited about you know prospects of continuing on in Sydney, uh, which led to you know uh, obviously when are we going to do one in Melbourne? So that will happen later this year, I think, in the fall sometime. And uh, yeah, and then I uh, uh, took a quick uh, one-day trip over to uh, Fiji, over to Suva, the capital there, uh, at the request of Fiji Telecom and uh, Vodafone, and did a kind of full-day workshop almost with. Um, with them and some of their key customers and uh, really excited because you know the very little is happening there as far as location based marketing you know it's a small place you know the whole of Fiji is about a million people um, you know across a number of islands but uh, they're excited, you know. They see opportunities, you know, uh, digital signage and and you know, counting traffic opportunities. They see opportunities with doing some you know, geo-targeted SMS type stuff. Uh, they don't have a big smartphone penetration uh, there, so SMS can work well for them. Um, the beacons, they're excited by the possibility of what that can do uh, for for some of the retailers there. So yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, you know, even in a market like that where you just don't have, you know, lots of smartphones and you don't have a lot of people, you can still do some of this stuff. And, and they certainly see opportunities around it 
uh, and Vodafone in particular, they're like, yeah, you know, we're 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 the uh, the key sponsor now for the uh, the Fiji uh, rugby team, which is like one of the top rugby teams in the world. Uh, you know, we we should be all over this stuff in the stadium and everything else. And I'm like, absolutely. So, great yeah, opportunities um, in Fiji, and the weather's great. Great opportunities. Yeah, yeah, and the weather's great. Yeah, um, you know, you can't you can't top 35, 40 degrees Celsius and uh, sunny. So. No, you can't. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Anyhow, good yeah. trip. Glad to be back, though. And uh, yeah, we got we got lots to talk about today on the yeah, show. Yeah, glad so. glad to have you back and back on the show. And uh, you know, your audio quality is back to where we expect it. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it makes it makes a big difference. Well, we do have a big show. We got ten stories we're going to highlight. We're going to grab. We're going to go into a deep dive of three of those. We also have a great resource of the week. First of all, though, my good friend Chuck Martin. 47,000 time author, Chuck Martin, best-selling author, Chuck Martin. He's written two books on the mobile space. Here he is with our Mobile Minute. It is time for another Mobile Minute. I just I just read this article by you, Chuck, and did I read that right, that 34% of smartphone owners don't use their phone in the store? Yes, isn't that extraordinary? Uh, but 31% are comparing prices while shopping. This is a new study from Mark Marketing Land. And what they found was, here's what shoppers are doing. 31% uh, compare prices of products through Amazon or other online retailers. Then they look for offers and coupons. They call friends or family for advice. Uh, more than a quarter look for product reviews. 18% found other stores that have desired products in stock. 15% scanned barcodes or QR codes, which is really small in my view. And 13% look for gift ideas. So, but uh, this this 34% is really it's it's relatively stunning um, that more than a third don't they use their phone uh, for, in the store. Uh, more than a third, 35% also don't use their phone for the actual purchase. Uh, and the reasons for that is that they don't buy by phone. Is is 35%? They basically they're checking out and find paying too difficult. They're finding that they they research on a phone. They buy later on a PC. They research and buy things from phones, only 14%. They've got security concerns. They buy things when they have no other options. And they basically use the phone for research and then buy on a tablet. These numbers can't hold. There's got to be an assumption that as people get more familiar, get more comfortable with these devices, and people understand the user interface and the user experience, that this number will come down. Everybody won't be paying the stupid tax, right? Well, it, it really does take time. Well, from the time someone gets a smartphone to the time they start to really use a smartphone. Remember, a lot of people have gone from a full-featured phone to a smartphone, and they think it's just a, a, a bigger or a different phone with a touchscreen, and they don't necessarily recognize all the power that it has. That was Chuck Martin, ladies and gentlemen, and our Mobile Minute. You can subscribe to that. Get one in your inbox six days a week for now. I got so much content with Chuck. It's amazing. You can do that through untether.tv. Of course, you can always just listen to it here when we publish these once a week. But we thank Chuck Martin for doing this. We thank him, obviously, for doing this every week with me on untether.tv. Subscribe. Go ahead. Subscribe. All right, we have 10 stories. We're going to go through them very quickly. Then we're going to take three of them and do a deeper dive. So here we go with the top 10 stories of the week in location-based marketing. Our first story, listen, Broadcom, which is uh, Broadcom Corporation today, announced a GNSS system on a chip that will enable wearable location devices to operate with less power and more accuracy. This is following that trend, the wearable trend. It's designed for low power, mass market wearable devices, such as these fitness trackers. Recall on this sucker anyways, that we can talk about a little bit later. 
and uh, smartwatches. And there is going to be a battle for the risk that is coming that we all know. So it enables uh, you know consumers to uh, you know more accurately track and manage their health and well-being, deliver precise, precision activity tracking and location data while consuming less power than traditional architectures. This thing is going to be available in the first quarter of 2014. So look for it. Awesome. Our second story is from Philips, the guys that we know that make light bulbs, and uh, they've launched something called the Connected Retail Lighting System. Uh, launched it at Euroshop, which is a big retail show in Germany this week. Um, and basically what they're doing is, is they're getting retailers to uh, change the light bulbs in the stores, uh, put in these new Philips light bulbs with LED um, electromagnetic signatures coming off of them and then you know smartphone apps uh, with the camera turned on on the front can read these signals coming from the light bulbs and they can use that to determine uh, your position in the store so this is a form of indoor location mapping uh, that relies strictly on light bulbs uh, connected to uh, the app's ability to read that light signature um, and tell you where you are. So the the thing here is is that you know trying to trying to position this as a alternative to Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, um, you know less capital cost, um, you know from a retailer or or store perspective. Uh, this is not new. Obviously, we've talked about Bite Light doing this in the past as well. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they launched something like this and uh, works on a very similar principle. But this is Philips. You know, the, you know the guys who actually make the light bulbs. So you know, could be an interesting play here, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Our third story, the Future of Privacy Forum. It's a Washington, D.C.-based think tank seeking to advance responsible data use and consumer privacy. And the Wireless Registry, which we've talked about a couple of times on this show, which is the first global registry of wireless names and identifiers, they announced today, literally today, the launch of a new platform that will allow consumers to easily and quickly opt out of mobile location analytics at thousands of locations across the U.S. Participating mobile analytics companies, we've talked about all of these guys before, include Isle Labs, Brickstream, Euclid, Ionside, Measurance, Mexia Interactive, Path Intelligence, Radius Networks, Readme Systems, Solomo, and Turnstile Solutions. Basically, what this means is that the you can opt out of uh, being tracked if you go to smartstoreprivacy.org. You give them your Wi-Fi or Bluetooth Mac address, and what happens is that they still track the Mac address only to identify that you've opted out of being tracked. So this is actually live now, and they will begin processing these Do Not Tracks in 30 days from now. It's pretty amazing. Go to smartstoreprivacy.org if you do not want to be tracked by these analytics companies. All right. And our fourth story is from a band uh, out of Brooklyn uh, called Archipelago. Um, and these guys, you know, I, I assume they're going for Archipelago, kind of uh, play on, on name there. But... Um, what they've done is is they've released uh, some music in the form of an interactive video game that you basically can explore around this 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 game and kind of uncover you know different layers to to the music so they created this with the unity game engine uh music's composed by appleton uh and graphics and 3d modeling in blender 3d pixelmator and sketchup um, and uh, yeah, so basically you move around uh, the space and you experience different elements of the song. They can change, they can shift, um, you, you know, and, and the idea that they're going for here is to, uh, as to, to quote uh, one of the band members, an innovative way to discover the new sounds. The game level also gives fans insight into our interests and personalities. Um, so really, really interesting to see kind of music experienced uh, in gameplay. Um, kind of cool. There Do we go. really want to know the personality of rock and roll artists? I don't know. I mean, if Bruce Springsteen did this, we might. Yes. Bruce. 
<laughs> All right, our next story involves Baidu. If you don't know who Baidu is, it's the world's largest search engine. I think next to Google, it certainly is the world the largest search engine in China. And when it comes to big data, there isn't anything bigger than what these guys are doing right now. They have this thing called the world's largest human migration, uh, which is happening right now and probably till about uh, the end of February, where 3.62 billion trips will be made during this time. It's a huge travel rush. And what basically this thing is called the Baidu Migrate, and it's a heat map which gathers data from smartphones installed with Baidu Maps or other applications that use location-based services uh, or other platforms. And, uh, you know, all of these things combined, re they, uh, they receive 3.5 billion position requests every day in China, according to Baidu. And they're basically tracking this for a whole bunch of reasons for to see which routes people take, where they're going, when they're going, how often they're going. It's a pretty amazing thing that they're going to overlay this onto a map and see, you know, uh, that will affect tourism and transportation and everything that we've ever talked about here. This is a perfect example of this great, great, great resource called data being used for great good. And I can't imagine imagine this is the world's largest human migration 3.62 billion trips that they're being gotta love at. it that's that's the the scale of china right there it's just crazy that's big data folks big data yeah. folks that is actually having an impact on how people tra travel and how infrastructure is built so that's baidu that's just big any way you cut it all right, so, uh, you know, as I said before, we got a couple of sponsors for the show this week. The first is RevTrax. It's an omni-channel promotions platform that empowers marketers to drive and measure online to offline sales using cross-channel digital coupons and offers. You can find those guys at RevTrax.com. And our second sponsor is Digby. We love these guys. Uh, you know, they drive in-store traffic. They increase conversion rates. They gather rich insights into consumer behavior in and around your locations. If this is of any interest to you, go to digby.com. We love these guys. Thank you for sponsoring this week in location-based marketing. Thank you for also sponsoring the event at South by Southwest yes. Retail Loco, which we will talk about in a little bit of time. Back to the stories, Mr. Khan. All right, our sixth story is about uh, our friends over at Weave in the UK. Weave being the uh, consortium of carriers, uh, Vodafone, Everything Everywhere, and O2, that uh, you know some time ago launched this uh, this play around uh, mobile wallet, uh, consolidated mobile wallet for subscribers. And this uh, week they announced a partnership with a company called Proxima. And Proxima is a loyalty uh, platform that incorporates NFC uh, in, into uh, you know the way that they interact and redeem. Uh, so this is really about you know looking at we more than just a mobile wallet, but you know bringing this idea of what they call a pouch, which is Proxima's technology, uses something called a tap point, and delivering context-aware offers to customers, you know, based on that wallet um, or connected to that wallet, if you will. So, yeah, uh, check it out, Weave and Proxima in the UK uh, around that partnership between mobile wallet, couponing, and loyalty. It's been a while since we've heard about Weave, so glad that there's a little bit of motion there. All right. Uh, if, if you have uh, had your head under a rock, maybe been in Australia, I don't know, maybe you've just woken up from a 20-year slumber, you have not heard the story that Facebook actually did acquire a company called WhatsApp for a total of somewhere in the realm between 16 and $19 billion. I think it is $19 billion. $12 billion in stock, $4 billion in cash, and $3 billion in RSUs for employee retention. There's also a breakup fee. This is the best breakup fee. You talk about a prenup. $2 billion breakup fee. That's a billion dollars straight up cash in the wallet, in the bank, and uh, $1 billion in shares, in Facebook shares. 
So why is this such a big deal? We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I want to give you a little bit of uh, thought here as we go through this. Is that uh, WhatsApp has 350 million daily active users compared to Facebook's 556 million. Now these guys have been able to charge a $1 subscription fee uh, for the second year. The first year is free, $1 a year per person. And uh, we're going to discuss what this means to this industry and how Facebook, why Facebook did this and what the implications are of this. But for those of you who haven't heard, which is maybe none of you, Facebook did acquire WhatsApp for 19 billion dollars, which turns out to be about 37 or 39 dollars per user, which is a good price. Pretty sweet. All right. Our eighth story uh, is about a company called Innovid. Uh, and a partnership they've formed with Cisco. Uh, and this is about a thing called keywords from TV. Uh, so effectively what they're doing is, is kind of Shazam-like that we've talked about before, but basically um, they have the ability through second screen uh, offerings to l effectively listen to what's being said on, on actual TV shows uh, and understand the actual content there and then deliver ads based on that content. So, it, you know, it might be just, you know, a line that's versed in, in, a, in, in, you know, some sitcom or something like that referring to, you know, Tim Horton's coffee or Starbucks or, you know, a Ford or whatever it is. And all of a sudden they can pull that out and bring up an ad for, for that particular product just based on, on keyword. Really cool. Really interesting. We're going to talk about it a lot more as, uh, uh, in the latter half of the show. Well, here's our next story. It involves a company that I know nothing about. I'm a happily married man, but uh, the company is called eHarmony. They've released something called Datebook, which is a new feature exclusive to its popular iPhone app. Um, and it is basically a, well, how do you use this? It integrates with Foursquare. And I think that's the key that we're very interested in here. So it helps you know, uh, their customers plan dates with anyone, including people outside of eHarmony. So the, the, where, where Foursquare fits into this very clearly is that users can search for date spots and see the top photos and tips and locations and the things that Foursquare is known for from their community. It also gets valuable information, including phone number, address, and pricing information. What it doesn't get, though, I wonder, is that the 14 different locations for that one restaurant, because there is no normalized data in Foursquare. So no. that is one of the negatives that you'll have to do. But eHarmony launches this datebook feature with Foursquare, among other things. So now you can actually find out what people think of the place you're going to with that special date. Right in time for Valentine's Day. Awesome. All right. And our last story, the 10th story today, is uh, about a company called Ruckus, another network hardware company. Uh, and uh, they've launched a thing called the Spot, uh, S-P-O-T. It's a cloud-based uh, indoor, indoor positioning platform. So what they've done here is it, some time ago, we talked about a company called Wi-Find out of Singapore, one of the early members of, of the LBMA out in that region. Uh, and Ruckus bought these guys last year. And so now we're starting to see the fruits of that uh, of that uh, effort to come to be in this thing called Spot. And so uh, what's interesting about this is, is that, it, yes, it's an indoor location platform. Yes, there's lots of them out there. Um, but this is really, it's all cloud-based, number one. Number two is, is that it's positioned as uh, a whole bunch of SDKs uh, and tool sets that allow others to build uh, on top of this hardware. So it's not like, you know, use our stuff and, and, and you know, that's, that's the end of the story. It's, it's, you can use this stuff and, and you, can, you can connect existing hardware, uh, you know, to it and, and all, the, all the content and dash, dashboard is all cloud-based. Very cool. Really cool. Very, yeah. very cool. Well, those are the 10 most relevant stories. Very diverse group of stories right there. We're going to dive into three of those a little bit deeper right after I talk to you about supporting 
untethered.tv and this week in location-based marketing. If you ever wanted to actually do that, you don't know how to, you haven't sent us any money, you haven't sent us any t-shirts, well, this is your lucky day. Your prayers have been answered, my friend. There's something called Patreon. It's a beautiful site. It is, think about it like an ongoing Kickstarter for independent content creators like ourselves here, where you can actually go in there and sponsor, become a patron of the content. We're asking for a buck, a dollar a month. Now that's a dollar a month for life. If you decide that you want to contribute more, like say $25 a month, I will send you an untethered.tv beautiful mug. It's made out of pure fake porcelain. You will drink your coffee out of it. It keeps it warm for like three seconds longer than your typical mug. It is a super mug with Untether's logo on it. All it costs you is $25 per month, but if that's too steep, just a dollar a month would be fine. You can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Untether. Look, if you found value in the other 169 episodes we've done, or if you just discovered us right now, if you feel that there's enough value here that we bring each and every week for 170 consecutive weeks, is that not worth a buck, Asif? Is it? Yeah, I, I got to think so, man. I don't know. I think so. Patreon.com forward slash untether. You got my heart. If you give me a buck, I'm cheap. Yeah. If you do 25, we'll even throw in LBMA t-shirts. Wow. Come on. We will equip you with a mug and some shirts. We got to find somebody to contribute some underwear and uh, you can go to work. <laughs> there you go. Ooh. All right, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna start this with um, a little bit of a deeper dive into uh, three of these stories. The first one is this really cool story. It was story number two, the Philips connected retail lighting system. This is along the lines of bite light. This is very very interesting to me because everything has lights, man. What do you it think? does. It does. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's as easy a sell as uh, you know they're making it out to be in the in this press release. You know, Bite Light's been trying uh, and having some challenges convincing retailers to do this. Uh, it does require uh, you know a, a specific type of LED light bulb. You know, to go into the stores. Um, but you know, even if even if you get them to do that, you know, it's still an app on the other side. You still got to have that smartphone app on. It requires the front-facing camera to be on specifically uh, to, to read this, you know, the light signal that's coming down. Um, you know, so, so I think, you know, these, uh, there's a lot of challenges here. And, and I guess, uh, you know, I contrast this to, I, I think the technology is cool. I think it's, it, it, it's from a cost perspective, you know, you, you can see some benefits there. And yet, when you, when you contrast this against, uh, say, you know, Bluetooth low energy beacons, right. You could argue that the cost might be negligible at that point, right? Because a beacon isn't that expensive. Um, you know, it might be similar to what a light bulb might be. Here, um, they can uh, they can last a lot longer in terms of battery life and things like that. Um, whereas, you know, the LED stuff, you know, with the app, it's going to drain the battery on the phone a lot faster. So there's a lot of issues. You know, I think here. Um, I don't know. I yeah, you know, there's just a few thoughts off. You know, my head on this, but. I wonder, like, you know, um, with the not, it's not pervasive. You know, the Philips Hue is not pervasive, right? Like, you know, it's it's a niche item at best. But I, I always wonder why why wouldn't they look at just doing a a a low energy Bluetooth beacon inside of a light bulb that ha is has constant power? So marrying, yeah. uh, you know, blue energy low energy low energy Bluetooth and and the light bulb. Because I think one of the things with with beacons is the awkward nature of these things, right? Is that 
If you've yeah. seen them, like, you, you know, like Estimode yeah, yeah. or whatever, you have to stick them somewhere and then you have to maintain them. And then when the battery dies, people will forget about them and then they'll be like, oh, well, right. Uh, so why wouldn't they create, focus their effort on doing something which is a, a low energy Bluetooth light bulb so that with no additional cost that they can just basically when they replace the light bulb yeah, they replace I, it with I, energy Bluetooth. I, I think there's merit to what you're describing i think there's some challenges too though sure. with uh you know range and direction the focus of, of of where that light bulb beacon might be right and and yes. so you know the thing with beacons is you can put them right on the shelf you can put yeah. them you know down at that level um but we're not you know, ready and, for that like you, you know and, and you can focus the the range of them right and, and kind of control that so yeah, I mean, I, I totally with you. I think, you know, there is certainly a market for, you know, a, a beacon built into a light bulb. You know, I think that's, you know, could work, could be interesting. You know, but I see, um, I think, I think, I think a lot about this is that, uh, you know, we as consumers, we're not quite ready to be tapped on the shoulder when we're walking down an aisle, right? And say, hey, you should buy this, buy this, buy this. And I think that's the big concern around. You well, that's why we have a future privacy opt-out registry. Exactly. Because there's right? something so, along those lines. But I think that, you know, uh, um, uh, one of the other challenges with uh, low energy Bluetooth, of course, is that, uh, you know, the the, uh, the beacons, you know, the more you, the, the greater the distance you cover, the greater the pa the battery drain. And so these are, these are uh, you, you know, certainly the battery will run out faster if you, if you have it on greater distance. So if you have a, a constant source, you can blanket a little bit more. You can do something that's a little bit special without going down in the aisle. And then if you do have aisle-based beacons, they can complement each other, right? So, mm -hmm. I, you know, I just start to think about how you can blanket the, your, your stores or your malls with uh, or even like street lamps with with low yep. energy bluetooth that, that start to enable this whole internet of things world that we're supposed to be yeah, living absolutely. in. absolutely and i think that what you just described you know to me makes even more sense yeah. right like a street lamp based network outdoor um you know built into the lighting is you know constant power i mean those things you know um have a lot of value to me yeah. uh in terms of you know what you can do and you can see out of home companies you know, jumping on top of that kind of stuff. Automobile companies doing the same thing as 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 yeah. these things move towards being more connected. Uh, For sure. I, I heard today. I just read today that that Ford is is dropping uh, Sync, which is a Microsoft product, and going with uh, uh, with BlackBerry as their in car uh, system. Mm hmm. Yikes. <laughs> hey, I, we, I said it before. You know the the strength of of what remains of BlackBerry is is QNX, our yeah. navigation QNS. Yeah. I mean that's where it is. So oh my goodness. Well, I, so I, I well you know it's it's shocking. It's it's not a huge surprise, no. right? I mean it's already in the those guys are uh, they're not dead yet. Well, no, they're not. They're they're close. They've certainly lost the operating system, the mobile operating system wars. Yeah. So they they can't lose As the a cars. consumer platform. Yes. Well, that's so it's interesting. You know, we'll keep an eye on this Philips, this whole Philips deal, but I think we've offered maybe four or five different better solutions right there between you and I. That's got to be worth the buck. Absolutely. All right. Uh, our, our, the second story we're going to dive a little bit deeper into is this Facebook, this whole Facebook thing around WhatsApp. I mean, it took everybody by storm. Uh, you know, this was just such a shock when it when it actually landed. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, this valuation is nuts until you start to think about it, like $19 billion in total. It's $14 billion, $12 billion in cash, $4 billion in, uh, no, $12 billion in stock, $4 billion in cash, and $3 billion in employee retention, RSUs. And and I, I think, holy crap, are, are these guys off their rocker? Are they out of their mind? And then I think about the average user. So they have 350 million daily yeah. average users. They're pushing billions of text messages, not like in-app messages that is basically destroying 
the carrier uh, hold on SMS it basically bankrupted that business along with the other kind of closed networks like iMessage and um, mm -hmm. and even BlackBerry Messenger. Uh, so, uh, but this is uh, like I coughed up a hairball when we talked about a billion dollars for Instagram, and they had thirty-five or twenty-eight million people when they were users when they were bought. These guys, if you do the math, it's about thirty-nine dollars a user, which is a very low. I think Instagram was a hundred and fifteen dollars a user yeah. at that time. So, this is this is when you when you put it in those perspective, in that perspective, you've almost got to think this is a good deal, but. 19. It's still a lot of money, but you know, kudos, kudos on uh, WhatsApp taking on. taking the money See? and not walking. I lost away. your audio. Oh, oh, there's uh, back. Okay, yeah, it's still that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, right? But I'm just glad the guy actually took took the money, right? And and uh, you know, is is going to move on to do some other things. I mean, so they're. I mean, he's he's joining the the company. Uh, uh, the board actually and uh, is going to run WhatsApp as a separate company for now. Uh, which is really interesting. Um, the uh, the funniest thing for me on this is I was watching uh, last night, I think it was, when I got in uh, after being jet lagged. I was trying to like stay up so that I could try to get myself back on to time zones here. And so I, I was watching uh, um, late night with uh, with Fallon. And he gets on, and he he did a little thing on this, and he's like, so you know, Facebook buys WhatsApp for uh, for nineteen billion dollars, and uh, you know, this this is all about you know, Facebook's uh, starting to lose it with uh, with the younger generation, right? They're not so cool anymore, and the younger generation doesn't want doesn't want to be on uh, on Facebook. So what do they do? They go and buy a, a company called WhatsApp, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, right? And he says, like, wasn't wasn't that cool? Like ten years ago, when people were, were going WhatsApp, WhatsApp, right? So um, it was it was it was hilarious. But I mean, he's uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I use WhatsApp, yep, and uh, have for some time. And you know, I find it valuable. I think it's it's a good service. You know, I agree on the per user basis. I think this is uh, this is interesting. Um, you know, I, I think there's some challenges here, though. I think you have two strong personalities running these companies in Zuckerberg and and uh, and Coom, uh, from WhatsApp. I think these guys have totally different perspectives on you know what the consumer is all about. It'll be interesting to see how how they're able to work together and to mesh uh, to bring this thing. Uh, you know, forward because I don't know. I mean, I, and I've read lots of stuff about it since, right? In in uh, you know, Wall Street Journal and Forbes and all these guys are writing about about it. And that's you know, kind of one of the key things that that they keep pointing out is is that these guys, it, it on the surface doesn't seem like they're going to get along. No. So. Well, I mean, he, he wasn't he rejected? Like he applied for a job at Facebook and uh, and he was rejected soundly, right? So. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he didn't fit in there, and I, I know I, I was reading the Twitter stream as this was going. This was going off the charts. Um, I think it happened on uh, Wednesday, and um, and you know there was, there was just an astute an astute uh, tweet from a VC that said basically that at that moment every single venture capitalist across the country of the United States went to their email client and did a search for this guy's name to see if they rejected that deal because they had very little investment and and uh, yeah. and, it, and it was a great deal but I want to ask like this I wonder two things one of them is that this whole fragmentation of Facebook right so they're obviously they bought Instagram they left them alone right and and that Instagram has flourished right uh, you know mm -hmm. well over 100 million users 
Um, and it's still one of these things that I go back to uh, pretty much every day to, to look at the images. It's, it's, it's more so than Facebook, than the, the main Facebook app. And then they've got the Messenger application, which they've, they spun out earlier, uh, late last year. And now they've got this, right, with it, which is WhatsApp. They're going to leave it as a standalone uh, application. Uh, you know, it, it's an interesting perspective on how they're doing this. They don't want to, like the web world was all inclusive. Go to Facebook.com. We'll blanket you with applications yep. and that. And and they're realizing, I think, very quite astutely that the mobile world is not like that. It's single source, single reason applications like Messenger, like WhatsApp, like Instagram, um, that these social networks are becoming. And uh, you know, the all-in-one maybe doesn't work as much. And I've heard you know mixed reviews about this. But I, what, what are your what's your thought on this? And how does this play into location? I, I think it's smart, right? I mean, you see it in in, in much more mature industries, right? I mean, let I me mean, look at the car industry, yes. for example, right? I mean. Car companies today, what they do is, is they go out and they buy, you know, the whole sort of horizontal chain, right? So they've got, you know, a whole separate division over here who makes, you know, just the headlights and the, you know, whatever and, and the seats. And then they've got another division over here who makes, you know, sound systems. And, and, and these companies... The guy does the know, financing they, over there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these companies operate on their own, right? I mean, the sound system company is making sound systems not just for GM, but for everybody, right? Yeah. But it's owned by GM and the revenue flows, you know, into the part of the GM you know, sort of line. Uh, uh, and I think that's, you know, in some respects, what you're starting to see here now is in the mobile world, you see, yes, Instagram's here, but we keep it on its own. WhatsApp's here, we keep it on its own, and each generates its own revenue. And so it, as long as you can maintain the, the walls, uh, which is what I was alluding to, I think, you know, the strategy can work really, really well. But, you know, like in reading one of these articles, you know, on the on the Coombe Zuckerberg thing, uh, you know, like Coombe is like, completely like against you know collecting personal information he's like you know against putting ads you know on yep. the system you know that's why you know he charges you know a dollar for the, for the thing and all this kind of stuff whereas you know Zuckerberg's all about you know ads 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 and you know we want to know everything about you a la google um, and, and so we'll see, right? We'll see whether, you know, he's able to, you know, Zuckerberg's able to influence Coombe, you know, to make that, that part happen. I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think so. I well, think it ruins it. If you bring ads onto WhatsApp, it's done. Well, you can't do that. I mean, it's the same thing with Snapchat, right? You, there, there's not a lot of ways to monetize that other than you've got an audience and, and you're, you're basically protecting somebody else from buying it and i think that's yeah. what because we you know there was overtures from google to buy whatsapp as well and and facebook wasn't going to lose out to google again right and i think that that's yes. this is just a, a turf war but the other great thing that this does it's a very interesting concept is that hey you know what they might not be uh, commercially minded at whatsapp they might not want ads but they do have a crap load of credit cards more so yes. than facebook does on file because it's a dollar a year yep. second year so Facebook has very few credit card on cards on file. Amazon, they're fighting Amazon and Google and Apple in that vein. And with this acquisition, all of a sudden, maybe there's this massive database of credit card on file, right? And, and is that what this acquisition was about? Because there's going to be somewhere in the realm of even if you take the 350 million users and split that by half, you've still got now the second largest pool of credit card companies now in your industry right and i think that maybe that's also what they're trying to do yeah marry that data with um location and uh, i think that that might be the big play here is the credit card information who knows could be could be oh facebook acquiring these guys for 19 billion dollars great uh, there's a great article i read it today uh from um uh, it was actually Andrew Warner who put this out, which was, uh, you know, how to deal with the jealousy of this deal. And I'm not jealous. I mean, that's just too much money for me to even fathom. 
right? I'm looking for a buck a month, and these guys close <laughs> 19, 19 yeah. billion dollars. Anyways, I know, right? All right, uh, the last story we're going to do a deep dive into is this Inovid uh, Cisco, uh, what I think is a Shazam uh, competitor, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so uh, Innovid is, um, so this is a video advertising company. Uh, it's actually uh, backed by Sequoia Capital. Uh, been around for, for some time now. Um, and we know the second screen uh, market, that whole second screen app market while you're watching TV is, is exploding. We've seen the stuff, from, you know, from the get glues of the world and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it's a market that, you know, at DLBMA, we talk about all the time, right? You know, where are you? What are you doing right now? You know, how do we drive some context-based ads on top of that? And that's really what this where this thing sits. Um, you know, Cisco starting has been doing a lot of work with cable TV operators. They uh, they manufacture a lot of the um, set top boxes that you see there now. Uh, so you know I can see them building some of this capability into the boxes themselves, into the devices themselves. Uh, but the whole idea of not just you know as Shazam does, you know where they basically kind of you know are working with the broadcaster and then embedding an audio signal in the TV commercial, which is what they've been doing, or the radio ad. And then the app's running in the background on your device and listening for this thing all the time and then creates a call to action. This is actually like, you know, looking at keywords, like just like you buy keywords in, in Google on search. <laughs> it's amazing. Right. And now, so now you're going to buy keywords in regular TV broadcasting, um, whatever those are. It might be car, it might be, you know, coffee, it might be whatever. But, you know, you're going to be bidding for, you know, for those things in, in just the same way you bid for AdWords on Google. And, and I think that's really cool in itself. Uh, and the ability that then we can do that with TV, we can listen to the conversation, we can create a response to that on, on the app uh, or the tablet or whatever it is that you're using. Um, and, and then with, with a call to action uh, with that offer. I think this is super smart. I think this is you know just part of where we're going in the future around connecting media together, tied to your location, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, not limited to commercials. How does this work? So would this be um, you know uh, an SDK that or an API that that advertisers would or or apps would incorporate into their apps so that they're always listening? Because I know that Shazam, does a great job of, of residing in the background and listening and, and collecting information and, and identifying songs that you might might hear on the television or ads that you might see on TV. So, but how, how would this work? Because you know, does this require me to download another application in order to be able to interact with this? I don't think so. I yeah. think this is very much SDK based. You know, they were talking about you know tying this into the Comcast or um, uh, what was the other one, uh, Time Warner apps. Um, so I, I think you know these these broadcasters who have apps. Uh, that you may already have, like how you know how we have the CBC app for the Olympics on uh, on our devices. Um, you know, you could build this capability in you know in, into the app itself. Um, you know, via SDK. Yeah. Uh, and then it's got push notification capability, right? Just like you know the, the you know the the one that we were just using for the Olympics here. Uh, so that when it when it when it triggers a keyword, basically you get a push notification saying, "Hey, go check this thing out." Um, and I think so. I think that's you know it's smart. It's easy to deploy, and uh, I expect we're going to see a lot of this kind of stuff coming from uh, from broadcasters and uh, and uh, you know content producers in they general. They have to. They have to do this. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I during the Super Bowl, I think I told the story is that during the Super Bowl, I 
you know, uh, we have uh, the Toyota ad came up and uh, it said, uh, you know, Shazam it now. So, of course, you know, I, I fumbled through my phone, grabbed, grabbed Shazam and Shazammed it. And, and like, lo and behold, like the absolute lunacy of this is that you made me go through all of that hassle and it drove me to the Twitter page, the yeah. Toyota Canada Twitter page of all yeah. freaking things. Like what a wasted opportunity. And, uh, you know, for me to be able to go through that effort, it left me with a sour yeah, taste. Instead of launching a video of, of the Toyota car or, you know, some experience around it. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, lots lots Waste. more thought needs to, needs to be on where you're actually taking people. What's the destination that you're driving them to? Um, you know, and, and that's not about the technology. That's no. about, you know, just poor advertising and marketing uh, campaign people not, you know, figuring out what to do with this stuff. But that's always going to uh, be the challenge, right? Yeah. Like you, you can't like the technology to do all of this stuff with the technology and then run that experience through. That's what I worry about these keywords, right? Is that it's just going to be the same experience. They're going to try to push me to the 30 second commercial when what you need is a contextually relevant time based location based, uh, yeah. you, you know, whatever income based uh, demographics um, to be able to push the right message to me at the right time. Don't waste that opportunity. And even yeah. with it, like I loved what CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, did with the Olympics for the last 17 days, their application was absolutely killer. It was by it was. far the first screen for me. It was the first I used example. it every day. I used it all day. While all day. I was in Australia and Fiji, I was getting my updates, my I notifications. I didn't turn yeah. on the television once. I watched it all on this device, right, my yeah. iPad. And then when I couldn't, I would put it in my car and I would listen to it in my car. It was the greatest example of first mobile is first screen that i've ever witnessed the problem was that they did a terrible job of contextual based advertising they played the same goddamn ads yeah. over and over and they forced you whenever you wanted to watch a video it played two ads the same two ads right and yep. and that is not adequate so the the first screen experience was amazing they tied it yeah, up with the part television. of that you know I, I i completely agree with you part of that is is the limitations around you know who can actually buy advertising yeah. because of the Olympic rules and all of that kind of stuff, yep. right? So, that, so they're limited in who they can even sell ads to to begin with. Well, they were just ads. Uh, for, that was Petro Canada, right? It was yeah, Petro Canada. Yeah. Petro -Canada. So, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, there's a limited universe of, of who they're allowed to even you know you know sell ads to, and, and ultimately what we get at the end of end result of that. But I find completely that amazing. Agree. Like, can you imagine? Completely that? agree. So um, if Shazam, you know, but if Shazam was smart, they would have you know I don't know what the legalities are of layering above the. Uh, you know the Olympics broadcast, but there is a tight hold on the Olympics by these, you know, by the Olympic Committee and and uh, that oh, brand. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's I don't crazy. like at some point that has to lessen that be, because it's going to happen. I right? mean, there's lawsuits going on here, like just here in Canada already between Molson and and, uh, and Budweiser, right? Because Molson owns the the rights, right? Uh, the Olympic rights, and and Budweiser started doing all kinds of crazy stuff with their red light uh, thing. Great. And, uh, you know, pretending like they were an official Olympic sponsor. Um, ain't happening. Yeah. So well, they're going to get smacked down pretty hard, I think. Yeah, let them fight because there's going to be some young innovator. Maybe it's a Novid. Maybe it's maybe it's Shazam uh, yeah. that is going to just walk in here and uh, and start owning like Shazam. We talk about those guys all the time. 350 or 375 million users. It's a greatest it, like, you know, and the one thing I, I like about this, though, I get, you know, and I love you know how much I love Shazam. Yeah. I mean, I, I could talk about those guys every day. The one thing I do like about this is is that, um, you know, and, and the new Shazam runs in the background, but you still have to have the thing there. Yeah. Um, 
this thing I like it because it's 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 like there's there's no active decision to check in or launch an app, you know, right. or any of that. Like the Shazam running in the background, it's just seamless. Whatever the app is, if this thing's built into it. Uh, with the SDK, it just sends you a push notification with an alert, with an offer, you know, whatever, based on that keyword. So seamless. Well, it's, uh, I like it as well. I mean, we're, in, we're entering this great little uh, time of, uh, of unknown uh, when it comes to what's going to happen with this transition of two screens. And, and certainly the CBC experience for me was first screen, top-notch job just demonstrates the power of these devices. Really, this was the first Olympics that this really, 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 really resonated. And I loved it. So we'll see what happens with the with these guys, with Innovid um, and uh, Cisco on keywords, selling keywords on television. There you go. We're in this weird, weird, weird world. So those are the three stories. Top 10, the three that we feel are relevant. If you had any comments on those, if you have any thoughts on those at all, please reach out robinontether.tv or cfatthealbumay.com. Um, all right, to our resource of the week, we switch this up a little bit. We're going to mix it up every once in a while between a white paper, an infographic, and an application. We're just going to streamline this uh, so we can get through it. But um, this is a uh, Urban Airship asked 500 brands about their use of mobile. And this, the question was, are you ahead or behind in mobile? See, this was fascinating. What, what it stuck was. out for you? I, yeah, I love it. Um, you know, it, it was interesting because, you know, we, we talk a lot on the show about retail and stores and shopping and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, one of the things that jumped out at me here was, um, you know, the sort of the number one in terms of who was ahead and vertically was media, sports and entertainment. Yes. Um, you know, and retail was kind of way down there, um, you know, in, in looking at this. In, in, I mean, obviously, you know, it was set up in a very certain way, uh, you know, with marketing agencies and software and tech companies. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that kind of jumped out at me and then push messaging, um, uh, has been adopted by the vast majority of those apps. It says, uh, across nearly all industries, 70, 80% of brands are using push within their apps now. So that's a big number. It is a big number. It is a big number. What's their opt out rate though? Who knows? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who knows? They Nobody ever talks about opt out rates. 70 to 80% are pushing you know notifications pushing. but but who's who's actually who, who's it resonating with yeah uh, you know and i think that this is um uh, one of the big things the gaps that they talked about was the segmentation the audience segmentation yes. where where it yes. could use some work and uh, if you ever saw this episode that i just did with uh, greg hickman who was a guest last week uh, on on tether.tv he talked about this as well is that there is some serious power with sms and in app messaging that people are not using and it's all around segmentation it's, it's a big gap there um so this will be available where at uh, the lbma.com forward slash research it will indeed yeah and, and these are our good friends at urban airship uh, and scott can be yes. uh, you know i love what these guys are doing these guys are obviously in, in the messaging business uh, and uh, and have the the clout and the reach to be able to come up with some amazing data like this and some great resources as well around what to do and what not to do when it comes to push notifications. So some best practices if you go to urbanairship. And you'll see those guys at uh, in Austin with us at uh, Retail Loco. Might as well kick this next segment off, which is the calendar of events. What is going on? So that is obviously the next greatest, the next piece for, the, for you guys for the LBMA. Absolutely. Our, our focus right now is fully on South by Southwest. Uh, we've got uh, Sunday, March the 9th, uh, our big, big event there, Retail Loco. Uh, I'll be there. Rob will be there. Urban Airship will be there. RevTracks, Digby, 
uh, all these guys we've been talking to, Shelf Bucks, uh, big big supporter of that as well. Uh, a lot of great sponsors, a lot of fantastic speakers. Uh, I'm, I'm one thing I'm really excited about is I'm sitting down that morning. Um, and doing a one-on-one uh, kind of fireside chat with uh, Richard Marcus, uh, the former uh, CEO of Neiman Marcus, uh, as his name implies. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to, to hear what he has to say. I mean, the guy has been around forever in, in the retail industry. And, uh, you know, to hear what he has to say about, you know, things like the Future Privacy Forum and things like that, you know, I think will be uh, enlightening for us all. And we just got phenomenal speakers. We just added the uh, former CFO of Walmart uh, USA uh, to the lineup as well. So lots of great people. Good, good. So that's March 9th. You can go to Retail Loco. RetailLow.co. You got it. RetailLow.co. If you want to register, get it. Do it. Do it soon before it's all sold out. Yeah, we're Please. we're almost at capacity right now. Yeah. So, uh, so you might want to go in there and do it. What's next after that on the uh, on the roster for the LBMA? We, we've got a uh, an LBMA uh, Dallas chapter event coming, and that's on March the twenty uh, fifth. Uh, so if you can get out to that, so we're kind of sticking with Texas for uh, for the month of March. It's fine. Uh, you know, Texas, say, you know, hopefully the weather's good. They've had some bad weather as well. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, March the 25th. We've got a uh, San Francisco event happening on the 27th. Um, so, you know, good stuff going on there. There's also an event in Atlanta on the 20th, so even before uh, the, the thing. It's not a LBMA, official LBMA chapter event, but we're doing it in partnership with the Atlanta Wireless Forum. Uh, so you can check that out. All this stuff is available on the site, of course. Um, and that kind of gets us through the month. Amazing. So, yeah. But this is all North America, so no more big trips for a seat. All North America. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere far for the time being. It's amazing what a beautiful trip to Australia does, right? I was, you know, I thought, God, Asif, if you could just get, I mean, Springsteen was down there, and, you know, he's touring Australia right now. I thought this is just, it would be perfect. It would be a perfect marriage if you could get to see him, but he, he was nowhere near you. I know. Sad. No. Sad, no. Sad, sad. And he's playing like... Um, Every every show he covers uh, Australian bands. So he did um, he did In Excess one one okay. night, and then he did um, Highway to Hell, ACDC. Nice, come on, nice. God, like it was amazing. Highway that's to pretty, Hell. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, he rocked that. So that's that's the Bruce Springsteen update. Still, I think he's in Melbourne. Still in Australia. Coming to North America though. Can't wait. Rob, it's going to be a good year for you. I mean, you got Bruce Springsteen back on tour, and you got the Yankees signing what may be the greatest pitcher ever. Yeah, but Derek Jeter announced his retirement, buddy. That's like it's yeah, like I'm, I'm mixed, right? Yeah, he he is that team. You know, when when Gary Carter was traded from the Montreal Expos in 1984 to the New York Mets, like it, I'm still an Expos fan, but it was the greatest moment when Gary Carter came back to Montreal to play his last year and had a game-winning, uh, you know, um, double. RBI double in his last at bat. It was the most amazing thing. And, you know, unfortunately, Gary passed away last year. He's my number one fan. So I think that this is just kind of showing my age as well when a guy that I watched, you know, from the mid 90s uh, play baseball for one team is about to set to retire yeah. after 21 seasons. I'm like, it can't be. He's only like 26. He's not. He's, he's pushing 40. I mean, it's yeah. me old. Well, that we is go. the show. That's 170. Uh, you know, we, we've changed the format. We're playing around with this some more. We'd like some feedback if you have any. We've had some great feedback. Thank you, uh, Jim Fox, if you're listening this far into it. Uh, thank you, Mal Pinard, as well, if you are listening this far into it. You guys have been uh, instrumental in the way that we've shaped these shows. 
So please reach out at robinontether.tv or cfatthelbma.com. If you don't, we're not going to change it, and you can't blame us. Give us some feedback, and we Absolutely. will implement uh, some more changes coming next week. And we but, like all feedback, good, yeah. bad. If you're going to give us a good feedback, do it on iTunes. We'd love a, a little bit of support there. Uh, just give us a five star. If you're not, send us an email. Tell us what's wrong with the show, and we will change it. We do listen, so please let us know uh, what you think. And of course, we love our sponsors, so thank you to RevTracks and Digby. Go to RevTracks.com, Digby.com, and of course, Patreon.com forward slash Untether. Give us a buck. Let us eat this week. Because we'll be back next week for episode number 171. Thanks for sticking around, folks. Asif, have a safe week. We'll see you next week. Thank you, sir. See you later, everybody.